Hello, listener. You've discovered the latest edition of Michigan Soccer Central. My name is Robert Kerr here with you, hosting uh, your source for all things soccer in Michigan. Got a great two-part episode uh, this week. Uh, We're going to round up all college uh, soccer that's been going on here in the Great Lakes State. And we're going to have the second part of the episode uh, features two interviews about the uh, subsidized uh, Detroit Public Schools Community District Indoor Soccer League that is a partnership between Ally Financial, the Detroit Public Schools, and the Detroit City FC Fieldhouse. That's awesome, bringing uh, some really good uh, uh, access to soccer uh, to Detroit Public School students who uh, really, um, it's a pioneering program to uh, uh, an area that uh, really doesn't have a great deal of involvement and it could really possibly be a kickstarter for soccer in the Detroit Public School District. But lots of college soccer has happened over the week. Um, In addition to the great seasonal turnaround, Michigan State University women's uh, on the women's side of college, uh, the women's had a new coach, did really, really well. University of Michigan, uh, the Wolverine ladies, they won the Big Ten tourney. Uh, Delta College, um, an outstanding program. They were uh, once again had a, an amazing year and uh, ended up the national runner up. Uh, Ferris State women's uh, won the GLIAC, uh, beating uh, Grand Valley State University to uh, win the women's championship there. But to uh, bring us up to speed on the men's side of the collegiate game here in Michigan, uh, we have professional scout and Michigan Soccer Central contributor, Brooks Lambeer. Uh, Welcome to the show once again, Mr. Brooks. Hey, Robert. Good to be back. It's it's been a while, um, like we've we've talked about. (laughs) So, uh, but it's nice to be back talking with you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Indeed. So, um, I guess big picture, a little bit, uh, still some, um, like division three stuff going on, but, uh, division one, um, we've got one team still alive. Uh, Phyllis, and what has uh, been, uh, the big events of, uh, men's college soccer here in Michigan? Yeah. So just kind of fell in just on the lower division side. Um, you know, we have powerhouse Calvin college, um, back in the tournament, uh, they didn't win their conference tournament. They actually lost to uh, they actually lost in the semifinals and Trine university out of Indiana won, um, that conference, but, uh, Calvin college, um, you know, go, making a run again in the division three, um, NCAA tournament, um, which is going on, which started, starts a lot earlier than the D one and D two. Uh, you have Davenport in the D two, uh, men's soccer, uh, national tourney. Um, and I believe they lost in the final to Wisconsin Parkside. Um, in their conference in the GLIAC. So uh, you have two two sides there. Uh, I guess from the NAI perspective, um, Madonna had a little bit of an off year. Um, Lawrence Tech had made it to, uh, I believe, the semis. Um, they lost, just lost to UNOH and PKs. Um, so I, I don't think in Spring Arbor, I had a little bit of off year this year as well. So I think from a the standpoint of the NAI tournament, I'm not sure if there's going to be any Michigan side, Michigan sides represent the NAI in the men's side um, this year in the, in the tourney, unless someone gets an at-large bid. Uh, so just kind of, kind of like a quick note, just, just amongst uh, the smaller conferences and, and a lot of the colleges that have uh, 
you know, represent this state really well on the men's side. So. Um, the big, uh, like, uh, I guess, dramatic or very exciting moment that happened, uh, Oakland University um, made the NCAA tournament. Uh, tell us about how, how they made it there. Yeah, Oakland, <clears throat> um, I mean, let's just kind of go back to last spring um, when we had kind of that crazy year where COVID and college didn't play in the fall. You know, uh, some conferences did, and most moved, were moved to the spring. Um you know, Oakland was, I think, of all the teams I saw in the spring, uh, Michigan, Michigan State, UDM, um, Western Michigan, uh, Oakland by far for me played the best soccer and looked to be the most competitive side um, in the springtime. And if it wasn't for um, one of the players, you know, getting COVID and them having to sit out, you know, quarantine for 14 days. Um, you know, they would have probably been in the NCAA tourney last spring, uh, you know, because unfortunately they had to then be removed from the Horizon League tournament. Um, and then that, that was the end of their season. So they came back with some unfinished business and they brought back their seniors with Jensen and Borzak and um, and some of the other, uh, you know, top guys that were underclassmen now, you know, in the upperclassmen status from sophomores to juniors and juniors to seniors and, you know, Borzak and Jensen being red shirts, um, red shirt seniors. So, but yeah, this Oakland team, uh, you know, with the addition of some international players that have really helped improve the play, uh, and the grittiness. And then I think just, just the camaraderie, uh, it's, it's a team that I know Eric Pogue and Paul Doro and the coaching staff really preach culture and camaraderie and, you know, uh, you know, and, and building something special, you know, in, in the men's soccer program. And I think that really goes a long way and, and it shows in how resilient they were, uh, this year there, there was a little, um, spell in the middle of the season where I think they dropped a few games and, and I think the really big turnaround for them was when they went to Louisville and they beat uh, Louisville at, at Louisville, which is very difficult. Uh, one, it's not easy to win games on the road in college soccer. And two, that's a big powerhouse ACC team. Um, that's usually one of the top teams in the ACC. Um, so that's that was a huge one for Oakland. And then, you know, they kind of rode that out and um, they, they did what they needed to do and things fell the way they needed to fall for Oakland to get the number one overall seed and host the horizon league tournament. And, you know, when you host the tournament at your own field, uh, you know, you get a buy and then you play the winner of, you know, the lower seeds, um, in the horizon league tournament. Uh, it's, it's an advantage. <laughs> it's an advantage to play at home, um, on your own field. You don't have to travel anywhere. Um, there's no hotel to stay in and all that and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, I, you know, Oakland is a team that is, will be interesting. They play Northern Illinois in the first round of the NCAA tourney and Northern Illinois in their own right has done very well. It was very much a program three, four, five years ago. That was always dead last in the Mac. They usually didn't win a lot of games and credit to that coaching staff for turning that program around and, in winning the MAC this year, because usually Akron University is the powerhouse in that in that conference, and uh, you know they they are in the tournament Akron as well. Um, but uh, yeah, Northern Illinois will be no easy match for Oakland University, where they will have to go 
um, to, I believe it's, I think it's Peoria. They may, I think it's Peoria they have to go to, um, where that's Northern Illinois is located and they will have to go away to play them. And then the winner of those two teams will then have to travel to Pittsburgh, the number five overall seed. Um, one of the ACC powerhouse teams that's really turned their program around and, uh, that'll be no easy task in the next round to play Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh. So it's a challenge. Can, can Oakland win? Of course they can. Anything can happen in the, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, I've seen in past years where there are teams that I think that have no shot advanced to the elite eight, um, or sweet 16 and there's upsets along the way. Um, just like you see sometimes in the March madness and the men's college basketball, um, you know, usually it's the teams that have the hot hand, like Oakland at the end of the season that run on a good run, um, are the teams that usually end up, you know, upsetting a few teams along the way in the, in the NCAA tourney. So credit to Eric Pogue and his staff and his players. And, um, and again, you know, I've told Eric this in person and Paul is I enjoy watching them play soccer. Um, cause they actually play soccer on like some college, other college soccer programs, you know, they actually try to move the ball play. They don't play direct. Um, you know, they want to win, but they want to play the right way. And, and, and there's something to be said for that. So, um, congrats to Eric Pogue and the staff and, and we're looking forward to hopefully, um, you know, watching them on there. If I can on Thursday, if I can watch that live stream, if not, hopefully I can watch the match on online when they play, uh, Pittsburgh, hopefully if they beat NIU. So. Yeah, that'll be Thursday in DeKalb, Illinois, actually. Yes. And um, a note about uh, Oakland University. Uh, Noah Jensen of uh, Oakland University actually named as uh, Top Drawer Soccer's uh, Player of the Week. So congratulations hmm. to Noah Jensen and get some national notoriety um, in addition to uh, heading to DeKalb on Thursday and possibly Pittsburgh. Um, question for you. Um, does the Horizon League winner typically make the tournament, or is it? Did they have a? Do they have to go through like a bid process for that? Yeah. So, so for people that aren't don't understand how kind of the uh, the college system works for the tournament. So, when you win your conference tournament, you get an automatic bid. So you're automatically in the tournament. Mm. Um, and then you know, obviously, the higher ranked you are, you know, with the R, your RPI. Um, you know, that, that you have the schedule you play throughout the fall will increase your chances of, you know, getting a, you know, um, you know, either a, you know, top 16 seed or getting into the tournament. So, um, you know, there are very few teams, at least that I can remember that have been under 500 and ever, ever made the tournament unless they won their conference tournament. Um, but you know, you have a lot of teams with 10, 11, 12 wins. Uh, I think you have Creighton who has eight, out of the big East. And that's always a strong conference. And depending on who they played in the non-conference schedule, um, that's where like the RPI comes in. And then, you know, if you win away games, it counts for, you know, a good amount. Um, so yeah, that, that's how, that's how it works. So if you win your conference tournament, you automatically qualify for the NCAA tourney, which is nice because you don't have to sit on selection Sunday to wait for your name to be called to see if you got in or not. So it eases the tension a bit. You just kind of see where you're going to end up in the bracket and who you're going to play. So so we've talked about the exciting uh, storyline uh, regarding a collegiate men's team with Oakland uh, still very much alive, winning the tournament and going to uh, the big dance uh, on Thursday. Um, what can you tell us about like the the um, the other state schools? 
Yeah, so uh, so we can kind of start with um, you know let's start with the UDM, the other the other Heisen League side. Um, you know, just kind of fo- unfortunately, I didn't get to see it in this past year, but just following along on social media and just kind of following along online. Um, you know, they they had you know they they made the Horizon League tournament. They lost to UIC at UIC in the tournament. Um, so it was definitely a turnaround year from the past couple years of UDM not making the Horizon League tournament. Um, their goalkeeper was huge this past year. Um, you know, they got a result early in their first game of the season, a one-one draw at Michigan, which is always helpful in proceeding, you know, with the rest of the non-conference schedule into your conference schedule. Uh, you know, so a team like UDM, you know, who's looking to really, you know, uh, you know, kind of get out of the bottom of the horizon league and, and start to work its way where it used to used to be, you know, in the middle to top tier of the horizon league and competing for horizon horizon league, uh, you know, uh, tournaments, you know, and, and win them and, or win the league outright in the regular season. So, um, it's a building process with Nick Darren at UDM. Um, but you know, he's got some good coaches and, and players there where, um, you know, hopefully he can, he can keep adding to the success of what he had this past fall and, uh, hopefully next fall. Um, and even in the spring, they can, players can keep developing where then next fall, um, he can then, you know, make another run at the horizon league, uh, tournament or in the, in the regular season. So, um, so UDM was, hasn't has improved a lot since the, for over the past couple of years. Um, you know, I would say, uh, Michigan state has been a bit of a disappointment in the last couple of years. Um, you know, I think a huge loss with Ben Pierman going to Memphis 901 and then Kale Wasserman to SIUE um, and adjusting to TJ Colba and Joe Ahern, just kind of the new coaches that Damon brought in. Um, you know, I think that's been an adjustment um, with the players getting used to those two um, and then changing their style a bit and then wanting to play a little more soccer. And, um, you know, I think they've lacked a goal scorer, to be honest with you, um, you know, threats in the final third which have really, um, you know, it was really shown in, in their play. Um, but, and, and maybe a solid goalkeeper. I mean, they've had a run of solid goalkeepers from, geez, uh, uh, Casey Steinlegge to, to Zach Bennett to Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Haig. Um, and unfortunately Hunter Morse, I don't think really fit, um, into that mold. Um, or he wasn't maybe what they thought he was going to be. Um, so, but, you know, a solid goalkeeper goes a long way in the college game because the keeper needs to make big saves in certain moments to secure that draw or, or to squeak out that one zero two one win. So, um, but Michigan State will get back there. It's, you know, they, the way they recruit, the way they develop players, I mean, it's shown, you know, you've got guys like Dewan Jones, Pataya Lache, um, Greg Janicki. Uh, Jay Chapman, um, you know, the list goes on and on of the players they've, that have gone on to professional soccer and have good and have had good careers. Um, you know, and even players like Kevin Cope, Ryan Keener, Jimmy Fiscus, uh, Ken Kralicki, um, Ryan Sierkowski, uh, you know, who've been very, very good collegiate players that, you know, have, you know, fortunately just decided, you know, Ryan's still playing, 
and so is Kenny, but a lot of the other guys just kind of on a foregone the college soccer and or the pro soccer route and gone to just get nine to five jobs, good paying nine to five jobs. So, um, you know, education is important for, for Damon and, uh, you know, as players get their degrees and they go on to do things just outside of the soccer pitch. So, um, but Michigan said, I'll get back there. It, it'll take some time. Um, but there have been improvements, you know, since Ben and Kale left and, um, you can see that they just have to find to get get the right players in um, that fit the system and the style they're going to play. Um, but they'll get there. Uh, U of M, um, you know, they had a good season in the spring. Um, they made a nice run, uh, and I just think they fell a little short this fall. Um, you know, I you know I think sometimes Michigan in my in my opinion, um, you know, they, I think they underperformed this year. I think they're better than what their record, their record is or was. Um, you have know, a guy like Kevin Buka and Mark Yabara in the, in the midfield that are two solid players. I just think sometimes with, when Derek Broch was out at center forward, it was like, who's going to score us goals? Um, you know, where are they going to come from? Um, they had some injuries at center back. You know, a guy like Owen Fennerty gets pulled after the first game and they bring in the freshman um, from the DC United Academy kid they got, um, you know, that, that went in and played for, uh, Fenderty the rest of the season. Um, so, you know, we have injuries and changes. It's not easy sometimes you have, if you have a young squad like they do. Um, so I think they, I think next year they'll be interesting in what the players they bring in, um, you know, they'll be competitive again. Uh, and then Western Michigan, um, you know, a team. Unfortunately, I didn't get to get to look at live. Um, just kind of kept up with what what they've done. They tended to struggle. Um, you know, in non conference or sorry, in conference play, it took them a while to get their conference first conference win. It's, it took them like at least halfway through the conference season to finally get a win. Um, and that's really tough because uh, there's not a lot of teams in the MAC. Um, with teams leaving such as uh, SIUE was in the MAC and they left for the Missouri Valley. Um, they went, or they went back to the Missouri Valley conference. And then you have, um, they added a few teams in Georgia state and Georgia Southern. Uh, then you have a team like West Virginia who's in the MAC, who's going to leave for conference USA next year. So there's a lot of shifting in the MAC conference. Uh, but any, but you know, it, when you struggle to win conference games early and it takes you a little while to win one, um, and you, they only take so many teams to the conference tournament. Um, you know, it's, it's really tough because then you put pressure on yourselves to win the last, you know, four or five matches you have, you know, to even qualify for the conference tournament. So, but, um, you know, I mean, Western Michigan's always competitive in the Mac. Um, they're always a mid table and they always usually, and it's mid to top and they always usually make the, uh, the Mac tournament. So uh, hopefully that staff can turn it around, uh, you know, start in the spring, um, developing the players, and then in the fall they can turn it around next year. So, you know, it wasn't a great fall for a lot of Michigan colleges because usually you'll see like a Michigan, Michigan State um, get into the tournament along with usually a Western or or a, or a Oakland University. Um, so yeah, it, it wasn't. It was quite. It was a down year a bit for the Michigan men's d1 teams um you know but hopefully next fall there'll be a nice turnaround for them you may have answered it um earlier in your answer but 
<laughs> of the teams that we talked about, um, who who do you think is going to possibly have the the brightest twenty two? Yeah, next fall, right? Um, not everyone's announced the recruiting classes, and everyone does at different times. Let's see for projected. I mean, Michigan State's a very fairly young team, and they have an interesting slew of players with Chase Inshow, Josh Adams, the two center backs. Um, you know, they have some goalkeepers with Nichols, Andrew Nicholson, who was a Jags kid, played at Catholic Central. Um, Zach Kelly, who's from the Lansing area, played at Lansing Rush. Um, you know, was an ODP kid. His brother Blake plays um at Real Salt Lake with the Academy, and he also plays a little bit for the Monarchs. Um, so there's some good pedigree with the with the Kelly brothers, and Zach's a good goalkeeper. Um and then they have the freshman from Pittsburgh that started uh, Crane. Yeah, his last name's Crane. Um, or no, McGrain. Sorry, McGrain is his last name. I can't remember his first name. Um, but, you know, they kind of rotated keepers a lot this past fall. So I'm sure that spot's op- open to see who's going to take that job for next fall. But then you have guys like Will Perkins, who's, who's been a leader for Michigan State and, you know, a solid athletic outside back for them. And, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see which guys use their extra COVID year to see who comes back. Some guys may, some guys may seniors that have, they'll be redshirt seniors next year since the NCAA gave the players an extra year for COVID. Um, so, I mean, Michigan State will be interesting. Again, they need to add some pieces on the attacking side, I think. Um, and they need to put stuff together. They had moments where they're, where they were very good combining and playing and, and playing, slipping guys through and, and finishing in, inside the box. Um, and then there were just moments where they didn't look lo- lost, but it's tough when you don't have a very big target player when you're trying to whip balls in from out wide, um, you know, to get on the end of it. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they, you know, how they do. Um, Babic, the center forward from the young freshman, the Vardar Academy kid did well. Um, I thought he showed bright moments. Um, unfortunately, Johnny Ferry for Michigan State. I felt I, I I liked him as an academy player for Vardar. He he kind of hasn't been what I think he could be, and you know he has the spring to figure that out and to come in ready for you know next fall. So there's some upside at Michigan State. I think they have some interesting players that they could turn around and they could start maybe not compete for a Big Ten championship next year, but they could you know they they can do better and get into the tournament. Um, because they always play a tough non-conference schedule, and Big Ten is always a tough conference schedule to play. Um, Oakland, I mean, you only lose Jensen and Borzak. The tough part with that is those are your two top players, and Jensen's the guy that makes everything go in the in the midfield for Oakland. So how do you replace a guy like that? That's that that's tough. Um, and uh, Borzak, you know, putting putting some goals in the back of the net. Um, you know, will will be a big loss for them. How do they kind of fill his shoes and who do they replace him with? Um, you know, UDM, you know, losing Dimitri Pliakos, um, and a few other guys, uh, you know, they need to, you know, they usually struggle to find goals. That's, that's always been the thing with them struggling to find goals and scoring a lot of them. Um, you know, the Western Michigan, you look guys, I think, uh, Mike Melorani's done, I believe, um, uh, Skinner, the center back and, and some other guys, um, you know, are, they, they lose some guys too. So, you know, they got to find replacements, you know, it's tough to say right now, who's going to do, who's going to turn it around. 
Um, I'd like to think Oakland will stay in the same position and be, you know, one of the top teams in the horizon league. Um, in terms of the big 10, Oh, I didn't touch on Michigan a bit. So you have Buka. I think Kevin Buka is going to come back. I think yeah, that's I what he said on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about how he wants to go back and start his grad degree and take his COVID year. Um, you lose guys like Umar Farouk Osman, um, Joel Harrison, uh, Mark Ybarra, you know, those are solid guys. You know, how do you replace them? Who do you replace them with? Um, Brendan Callow was not bad this year at center back for Michigan. Um, you know, Derek Broch is going to be hard to replace just because he's such a hard worker and he's just, uh, you know, he's gritty, you know, he, he, you know, Fox in the box type of guy that sticks his head in anywhere and tries to get the ball in the back of the net. Um, you know, how do you replace him? Um, so, I mean, for me, I think the interesting team next year is how does Oakland transition from this, this successful fall into, into next fall. And I think they're the team that has the biggest upside and bright side right now. Um, but if Michigan state adds some pieces, some freshmen or transfers, um, you know, things can be really interesting in East Lansing, uh, you know, and, um, depending on who comes back from Michigan, it could be interesting. So uh, it's, it's hard to be clear cut with college soccer sometimes because injuries happen too. But, you know, I definitely say if I had to pick a team, uh, Oakland would be that team that would, uh, that, that, sh- that should have, you know, a good fall next year that I would pick that would compete for the rising league championship again. Very interesting. Very interesting. Thank you for that, uh, concise, uh, wrap up lots of, uh, college, <laughs> Uh, happening and yeah hopefully uh 2022 uh is a bounce back year um it sounds like there should be and a reason to be excited in oakland as well in uh east lansing um mm-hmm. just because if we were recording on the heels of the uh, second of two united states uh, men's uh national team qualifiers it's just uh peaking in my brain uh one of the goal scorers once had a glass of milk in uh, Michigan youth soccer. So there's a connection and you uh, said you liked Walker Zimmerman and I liked him in this window. Um, what did you make from uh, both Mexico win and the draw today against Jamaica? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the Mexico win was, was big. I think it was a statement um, that, that needed to happen. Uh, and, and I think the thing that amazes me is, you know, the teams they keep bringing out with these young guys that are younger than 25, you know, I mean, Walker Zimmerman being the veteran and, uh, you know, that's crazy. You know, Walker, Sebastian Legette, like the two, the two old guys on the team and they're, you know, they're not super old, you know, they're not like 33, 34, you know, they're, they're in their later twenties. Um, but they're not old by any means. Mm -mm. Um, you know, you're talking about veterans like Zach Steffen, Pulisic, McKenny because they've been there for the last, you know, few years <laughs> playing with the first team. It's, it's crazy. You're considering them veterans and they're only between the ages of like 21 and 24 and Tyler Adams. And, you know, and then you have the young guy like Pepe. So the, the Mexico one was huge. I think that was a big statement. Um, you know, Pulisic coming off the bench and, and doing what he does was super important. And then McKenny finishing it off to make it uh dos Acero which was great. And the great crowd in Cincinnati, um, helped as well. Uh, so that was a huge win for me. I, you know, and the question is, can they turn around and go do that when they play at, um, Estadio Azteca in, in Mexico city? That's, that's going to be the big question. Uh, if you can get some points like they did today against Jamaica, that you get a point on the road, 
um, you know, that's huge. You want to get a point at least, you know, three is obviously the best outcome you can get on the road, but the more points you can pick up on the road and more cup world cup qualifying, you know, the more it helps you. So, um, you know, listen, Jamaica today is always a tough team to play against a lot of athletes, very rough and tough. Um, not afraid to go into challenges hard. Um, and then when you play, and one thing is people understand, people really need to realize that CONCACAF qualifying is very, very difficult. When you go to countries like Jamaica, El Salvador, Honduras, Costa Rica, um, you know, the pitches aren't always superb, like the ones you see in MLS or um, in Mexico, you know, and, and you know, the La, La Liga pitches, or uh, Liga MX pitches. You know, people don't realize that you're battling conditions with rain, humidity, um, pitches maybe shorter in size and width and length, um, you know, not full regulation fields like they are in in America. Um, there's a lot of stuff you battle going through CONCACAF playing in away matches. So, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be really upset with the 1-1 draw. I mean, the, the goal is to come up with points in every game. Um, so they're looking good right now. Um you know, they're looking good and, and half more than halfway through, like, this is a good sign. So this is a good sign that young guys can come in, do their job. Um, and it shows too, the people need to realize that, um, you know, what, what the U S SDA, you know, started as it was like we talked about before, Robert, the U S SDA, that was the purpose to, to put elite players against each other so they can then develop and that would help our national team system um, as, long, as, as, well, as well as our pro system. And, you know, I think it's done its job and it's gotten players over to Europe. I mean, you're, I mean, for crying out loud, you're having teams like Arsenal saying they want to buy Tyler Adams for 43 million pounds, you know, $43 million. <laughs> and you want to, and you want to have teams like Barcelona buying Pulisic. I mean, from Chelsea, I, I mean, I, I never remember that happening. I mean, the biggest thing I always remember happening when I was growing up was when Landon Donovan went on loan to Everton. I thought that was huge. And Dempsey playing over at Fulham and then Tottenham was was huge as well. And then Tim Howard over at Everton. You know, it, it's kind of like a thing now where youth players, if you're a top youth player in America, you're going to Germany or, you know, you're going to, uh, you know, Belgium or Austria. You know, that's where Aronson's playing for RB Salzburg. and um you know, you're going to these, these countries to play soccer. And then, you know, those teams are going to play you for a little while. Then they're going to sell you on. And, and that's what, you know, the USSDA was created for to get those elite players to, to help develop them. And, and it's working and hopefully the MLS snacks continue that. What I would like to see though, with soccer is that we incorporate, you know, USL academies and MLS academies and, you know, these other non-MLS academies like Wolves and Vardar and Jags and such, and, you know, everyone gets playing. So then everyone, you know, it's not just the academy teams that start to develop players. It's, you know, the non-MLS academies, which then, you know, if the kids go to college, it improves the college game. And, you know, it, that's what I like to see more of, more diversity amongst, you know, uh, development of players rather than just, it's just the kids in the MLS academies that are, you know, going to become the pros, you know maybe one day there's a Wolves kid or a Jags kid that, you know, it plays for, you know, up until you 17, 18, and then maybe they get bought by some, you know, USL team or MLS team or foreign team or, or, you know, some or something. So, you know, that's my growth, my hope that, you know, youth keeps developing, but, um, but no, it's, it's been great to watch these young guys for the national team, um, you know, do well. And, and I think everyone's really enjoyed it.
Yeah, it's been pretty awesome. And then, yeah, going in, there was no guarantee that they could do it with the, the, the team so young, you know, <laughs> who knows? I mean, they'll, they'll, it's not going to be pretty all the time. They got pretty lucky to get a draw against Jamaica. But like you said, halfway through, they're in the mix of the top three. And as we're recording, Canada is actually 1-0 up on Mexico. So if that holds, Canada is going to be in first place, yeah. which and, is uh, pretty wild. But uh, you know, a yeah. sign of the times because they've got their whole youth movement going. Yes. But, um, Brooks, thank you so much for joining us again to uh, give us such a good uh, look at um, – the fall in uh, college soccer. I really appreciate your time and uh, sharing all that with us. Yeah, you're welcome anytime. And, uh, you know, hopefully people that are listening, they, they learned a bit. And, and one thing I'll just say is go, go support your local universities. I, I mean, those, those, whether it's D2, NAIA, um, D3 or D1, you know, if you live by a, a college, go watch, go watch them play. I mean, all these coaches put so much time and effort with the camps they do and, and, uh, you know, them getting out and recruiting and, and they just want to be a part of the community, just like a DCFC does and any other USL two team, like at Oakland County or Flint city bucks or, or whatnot, you know, that, you know, go, go support your local universities and especially youth players need to go watch the college game to, to learn and develop. So that's the one last thing I'll add here before we sign off. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. We could go on a whole tangent how, you know, colleges are, you know, with football and other sports are already embedded into the community like uh you know i daydream about you know like the soccer club being embedded like how uh <laughs> they are in the communities and towns in, in europe yes. so if we could somehow cross that bridge that would be uh that'd be pretty excellent and uh mm -hmm. from the college world we transition now to um a really awesome uh uh set of interviews here um ally financial and uh a detroit city field house um, have uh, matched up with or partnered up with the Detroit Public Schools Community District. And uh, this weekend kicked off the uh, indoor soccer league um, that has been completely subsidized. So uh, over 150 kids from uh, Detroit Public School District um, have free uh, indoor soccer league. So hang on for that. And uh, thank you for uh, joining once again, uh, Mr. Lambeer. You're welcome, Robert. Thank you. Rachel Hawk, Director of Sponsorships and Events at Ally Financial. Uh, welcome to Michigan Soccer Central. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. So uh, why has Ally Financial subsidized a indoor soccer league for students in Detroit? Well, the idea for the league was born out of the commitment we made to work together to grow the game and grow youth soccer here in Detroit when Ally partnered with DCFC. So we're super excited about this. The matches are going to take place every Sunday from November 14th through February 27th at the Detroit City Fieldhouse. And it's a seven-on-seven -seven format featuring 150-plus DPSCD student-athletes. Um, so it's including teams of young women who were um, not a part of the fall season as well. So um, why now with this uh, initiative? 
At Bullet Ally, we've noticed the explosive growth of soccer in the area, and we wanted to make sure that nobody who wants to play is left behind. So that's why this partnership makes so much sense, and it helps give these kids an opportunity to play that they may may not have had otherwise. So that's the so I guess uh, that's uh, in the short term. What are like the uh, long term desired goals from this program? Well, we want to try to make financial literacy and economic mobility a part of everything that we do at Ally. Uh, We are not only sponsoring these matches, we also host financial literacy seminars um, during two selected weeks throughout the season to promote financial education among the players and their families. Is there a a precedent for this sort of partnership between Detroit City FC, um, the school district? Is this a unique or is this uh, just a... Um, something kind of thing you've done before just in a different sport? Um, You know, I feel like it's pretty unique. We both share the same values, having, you know, a passion for the city and a passion for the game. And Ally has a lot of history in the city of Detroit. So we were very excited to work with DCFC on giving back, you know, in these communities where we live and work. Um, But we also do quite a bit, um, you know, in other sponsorships, such as the Ally Challenge. Um, we are the official sponsor of that PGA Tour Champions event, and we've donated um, nearly you know, $3 million to local charities in Southeast Michigan. We also have a sponsorship with NASCAR, and we support the military. We support animal welfare. Um, we do different STEM programming with kids and, and giving back in that regard, too. So giving back has always been at the heart of what we believe in and our brand promise is to do it right. So this is just another example of how um, we can deliver on that promise. You said there was uh, already um, around 150 uh, public school students from Detroit signed up for um, this new indoor league. Is this a a one-off season or is this just like the tip of the iceberg for this sort of programming? I think this is just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, we just recently partnered with Detroit City Football Club and um, with the Detroit Public School, and we we hope that this will continue on um, beyond just the, you know this year and next year. So you're saying there there may be room to expand this initial indoor soccer league? I think there's potential to definitely expand. You know, we're very passionate about doing things in the community and fulfilling that brand promise of doing it right. Um, We also have done a lot with Pride Razor, um, Ally, and DCFC raised a total of $50,000 for Ruth Ellis supporting LGBTQ+. Um, So, you know, whether it's making soccer more accessible or um, supporting diversity, equity, and inclusion, again, I think we're just getting started here. so a lot of exciting things, I think, to come. Very exciting. Very exciting. I, uh, you know, personally, at Michigan Soccer Central, we we uh, love the uh, um, expanse of soccer and uh, seeing a rise of interest in all of our uh, varied communities. Um, is there any other details of this program or um, these initiatives that we have not touched on? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I think we're just really excited about Detroit's passionate fan base and 
you know, share the excitement about the growing soccer world, and we're, um, we're just excited to be a part of it. Well, thank you so much for your time, Rachel Hawk, the Director of Sponsorships and Events at Ally Financial. Thank you so much for spending your time to uh, talk about this wonderful new program on uh, Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. Thank you, Robert. Really appreciate it. In mid-October, I read a press release that really uh, caught my attention. Uh, Detroit Public Schools Community District, Ally Financial, and Detroit City FC had partnered to bring a subsidized indoor league to public school students in Detroit. And to learn more about this exciting arrangement, I'm glad to be joined by Jay Alexander, the Executive Director of Athletics for the DPSCD. Welcome to Michigan Soccer Central, Jay. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Robert. Appreciate being here. I uh, thank you so much for your time. Um, no doubt a busy period with uh, football and all the other sports going on. So I really appreciate your time. So can you explain uh, what the DPSCD Indoor Soccer League is? Yeah, it is an opportunity for uh, us to expose our student athletes to soccer uh, and give them an opportunity other than football, basketball, and the normal sports, if you will. And soccer's resurgent, uh, especially here in the city, has been very, very big. And and we just wanted to give our uh, give our kids an opportunity to 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 have an opportunity to play soccer. And so uh, we're excited about th- this opportunity. We're excited about it. Our partnerships. I have no real. Um... I guess, uh, context. So can you explain to me and the listeners, like what the existing, uh, soccer infrastructure is like, uh, in Detroit public schools? Uh, right now, this is our first year in soccer. So, uh, first year, when I say first year in soccer, this is our first year sponsoring soccer. I've taken over, um, three years ago, me and my staff and our, and our, our task is to grow athletics here in the city and give kids exposure to, to, to athletics to give them opportunities to go to college. So um, the, the, the lay of the land here is we've had a f- two schools, I think, maybe one for sure in Western International has always had a soccer team but worked outside of our scope and, and but played in the MHSAA. So they didn't play in the league. They just, got, they just played games against a bunch of schools outside of uh, Detroit Public Schools and was able to compete uh, at the state level if they made it. So with that said is we said, okay, here's an opportunity to help them and help others in our school district uh, to, to, to be able to play soccer. So we've, we've added, uh, I believe we've added four teams this year um, and, and, and our goal or, or three, if I'm not mistaken. And our goal is to, uh, you know, have all our 20 high schools or actually 16 that actually play sports, uh, 16, high school is to have an opportunity to play soccer eventually, right? And so with DCFC and their resurgence of soccer in the area, more kids are starting to gravitate to it. Um, you know, especially those kids in our Bengali areas, in our um, Hispanic areas, uh, and, and those types of areas that, that it's really, it's really heightened and, and aware and everybody's aware. But now we wanted to get it, you know, more so in our inner cities, um, in, in our communities to give kids an opportunity um, to blow off some steam, if you will. So, um, but we think that this is a great opportunity. And again, with this partnership, I, I think that 
it can grow. Um, we've had a one of my assistants is named Mikhail Covington. He's a big soccer guru, former football player. Um, and he's grown soccer in the inner city from as much as 3,000 to 6,000. So we, we, we brought him over here to pretty much do the same for us. So it's been kind of a, a, a peripheral sport and uh, just stepping into it. So um, is there a visibility of soccer or is it kind of not even in uh, the mind frame for mo most students? I think now because of DCFC resurgence or resurgence, I think that it is visible. The I think our reluctance in, in the inner city is that that ain't our sport, right? You know, we, we're basketball, we're football. And now that they're able to see it actually in our schools, we're going to give them the opportunity to say, okay, this is for us too. And so I think that all of this helps with making it visible to our, to our student athletes and uh, any way we can get an opportunity to, to provide potential scholarships in college for our student athletes, I'm all for it. You know, my background is I'm a uh, head baseball coach in college, Division One college for 17 years. So I understand the value of sports and understand the value of academics as well. So, um, I, I, again, I'm just excited about it. So it's all kicked off uh Sunday on the 14th of November and press release said it's running all the way until the end of February. So for the, the students that signed up for it, what will they have access to? It is subsidized by Ally Financial, but but what, what has been opened up to them with this? Um, a, a DCFC's huge indoor facility, giving them an opportunity to, you know, learn the skills that is needed, you know, trainings, clinics, um, and Rob, I, I'm impressed that we were able to already have uh, eight boys and eight girls teams that's going to sign up for this. So we we are extremely, extremely excited. You know, we only had three high schools um, participate, but now we got eight teams of boys and eight teams of girls. So 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 I'm excited. And, you know, we have uh, regular season matches are two 25 minute halves with the five minute overtime and no overtime. You know, two minute golden goal period is played. You know, if a match is tied, you know, kicks from Mark, best of three, followed by single rounds, co-ed must, you know, if it's co-ed, it must alternate in sex, you know. And so, um, it, you know, we're excited. It's a great opportunity. We have um, endless amount of training that, that, that and, and opportunities for these kids to get better. And, and I just think eventually we're going to grow this thing um, out the box. I really do. So the, with the way this is arranged, they have games on Sundays, and you said there's also training uh, opportunities. Yeah, yeah, there's training opportunities for for our for our kids there, and I know at that uh, our, our Macau on our staff will be there to to also help coach and train and, and give kids pointers and and stuff like that. So so that's stuff that's going to be done on the back end, so to speak. But uh, we we're, we're going to teach these kids how to play real soccer. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, presenting it to, to, to new uh, kids is, is, is great to hear. Um, so how you said there's already uh, 16 teams uh, signed up for this first uh, uh, season. Um, how was it presented in the schools to, to have this interest already? We, we presented, well, I will tell you, we had a, a, a outdoor soccer 
soccer league from K through eight right now. And that's the other thing I forgot to mention earlier. And that um, we've had a lot of uh, a lot of play out of that. And so what we what we've done was basically made this a high school league and um, to grow our high school awareness of it first, even though, you know, we're also starting down in, in K through eight. But we but we were able to, you know, get it out to high schools, get it out to the coaches that are in there in our system already, um, have individuals sign up from various schools and then make a league. So um, that's basically how we did it. We just we just said, hey, here's an opportunity for us, for you real soccer players and for you soccer players who's trying to grow it. Um, and you soccer players who don't know will teach you. And we were able to get eight and eight signups. So I'm, I'm excited about that, you know, and that's a testament to soccer, um, even though I'm a baseball guy and uh, I wouldn't do soccer. But uh, no, I'm kidding. But uh, I wasn't exposed to it. Right. And because I, I definitely believe it would have, it would have helped my footwork in, in, in baseball. Yes, definitely. Um, skills can be translated across the board as far as, you know, quick feet, spacing, mm-hmm uh Absolutely. endurance uh just general fitness um and just an, the amount of coordination and then uh one of the things that i feel like is a huge difference between uh sports is um the mental ability to continuously know um like analyzing the situation as it progresses um in baseball <clears throat> football basketball you get timeout coaches in your ear you know we're running this play this play this play mm-hmm. in soccer your brain has to be constantly in motion because right. you don't have those breaks and those uh, uh, as many formal plays or um, moments for the coach to, uh, you know, give direction. Correct. Correct. And, and I'll tell you what, though, Robert, one of one of the things and I just thought about this, so I'm not going to say I can't sit up here and tell you a story, but um, I'm going to encourage, you know, our, our football coaches to consider, you know, having their players you know, play football, to be honest with you, because I think that skill, like you said, it does translate. And um, I, I think it's an opportunity for them to, to use their brain and have to think, um, and, but only use their feet, right? A lot of times we use our hands and we cause issues and, and scrimmages. And But now using your feet and then try to use your brain a little bit, um, I think it'll help those football players for sure. So um, this is, I guess this is the, the first start. Is there... Any uh, room or agreements in this uh, uh, arrangement between or partnership between Detroit City Fieldhouse, uh, Ally Financial and the school district? Is there like uh, provisions in it to continue further beyond Um, this first season? We we haven't had one in there yet, but I know Ally Financial has done a fantastic job of supporting soccer one and a fantastic job of supporting uh, inner, uh, inner city kids. And, and they're based on Detroit, their headquarters, and so uh, downtown. And, and so I, this partnership, I think, is going to grow. You know, right now, I think they're just putting seeds in it to see how, how effective it's going to be. And then once they see those seeds grow, then I think Ally is going to become a bigger, bigger and better partner for both of us. But I know that they've been really a great partner of DCFC. They've also been a partner of just kids in general throughout the city. But now, you know, just joining us and, and we joining them, um, it, it's I, I, I think this partnership is really going to grow. So. So when this ends um, in uh, in the end of February, uh, is there any schools going to play outdoor in the spring? Do you know? 
Yes, yes. So I want to say, Robert, and don't don't give me the line. I should have this information for you. But I want to say the spring is girl soccer, if I'm not mistaken. And the fall was boy soccer. Correct. Yep. So, um, yes, I believe, you know, we could easily get some girls involved um and and some interest in it because it's a it's not as not as expensive sport um your some girls like to be in shape and here's an opportunity for them and then you know and 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 we have a lot of athletes in our system and so um you know i know that our athletic coordinators in in our buildings are pushing for for more sports events such as soccer and things of this nature so again i think it's going to grow if we continue to do it the right way and right now we're on a path of, of doing it the right way. You mentioned um, college scholarships earlier, but outside of that, um, you as the executive director of athletics for um, Detroit Public Schools Community District, like if you sit back and close your eyes, like what are your ideal outcomes for um, this program? If you were to like transport ahead, like what would you love for this to tr- turn into? I would love for this to turn into, uh, and that's an easy one for me. I would love for this to turn into at least um, 10 of our schools participating in soccer regularly, participating on the the state level and doing well, Um, just opening up the eyes of our young student athletes to give them opportunities. And then for colleges to come in and see them play and say, you know what, here are some viable kids because if we can get our kids interested in some things that can help catapult them to college, then their grades are going to get better because they have to. Right. And so that that's my that's my thing. And, and my my hope and my you know, if I sit back in my chair and and say what success looks like in, 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 in a couple of years or five years down the road is that we're now getting scholarships for our student athletes, girls and boys in, in a sport of other than basketball, football. This might be a question for uh, Ally Financial itself, but from the from the school district side, is there any precedent um, for a program like this? I'm I'm not sure, but I but I would say yes because we're you know we're engulfed in it right now. I, I think this is the first of its kind in regards to specifically, um, you know, Ally Financial basically giving us the right and partnering with us to give us the opportunity to be able to uh, have an indoor league that's not actually during our season um, so that we can actually grow in the sport. I think that's phenomenal and priceless in itself. You know, if you look at all these other sports, um, you know, everybody has to pay to, to play, so to speak. And if they're doing summer or out of school leagues, but here, here's an out of school league that we don't have to pay for. So I think it's phenomenal. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, Mr. Jay Alexander, the executive director of athletics at the Detroit public schools community district. Thank you so much for talking about this uh, new initiative for the indoor soccer league. My pleasure, Robert. Thank you very much for having me. Well, that about does it for this week's edition of Michigan Soccer Central. Thank you so much to my guests this week, Brooks Lambeer, to wrap up the uh, college fall season. And uh, especially thanks to Jay Alexander from uh, Detroit Public Schools and Rachel Hawk from Ally Financial. That seems like, hopefully, fingers crossed, 
This indoor soccer league is the spark that uh, creates a fire of interest in Detroit. Um, thank you to TJ Winfrey from DCFC for linking me up to hear more about this awesome initiative. Detroit Public Schools boasts 16 football fields with an additional five or six turf ones as well as more land available. So if interest peaks, um, there could very well be an explosion of soccer in Detroit. Would be super awesome. Send in your submissions for Team of the Week. Make sure to do that. We are Soccer and Michigan Soccer Central announce each week on social media the Team of the Week on or off the field. An exceptional effort or performance or initiative. We will uh, celebrate you each and every week. Thank you to everybody for contributing to this week's show. And I'm sure there'll be some more uh, news and action to review. So go Oakland University. Good luck in DeKalb. And until then, until next week, until you hear from us again, enjoy your soccer.